listening to the Ed Reach Network. Ed Gamer episode 100 on Ed Reach. Finding the next Steve Jobs with Nolan Bushnell. This is Ed Gamer for Thursday, May 16th, 2013. Ed Gamer's part of the EdReach Network, edreach.us, giving education a voice, a big voice. This show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We will give you the education angle on any type of games ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We will discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I'm Zach. And I'm Nolan. And Nolan, for those of you that might have lived in a cave somewhere, uh, Nolan, tell us who you are. I'm Nolan Bushnell. I uh, founded Atari. Uh, I hired Steve Jobs. I started Chuck E. Cheese. I created the first automobile navigation system. I created one of the early robotics companies. I did online shopping. I've done a to an electronic toy company and kind of a whole bunch of other things. I basically had a ne'er-do-well life. <laughs> and you still have a lot more to go. I mean, that's just the beginning, right? Yeah, right now I'm working on Brain Rush, which is a gamification of learning in some new ways based on brain science and getting some amazing efficacy. And I uh, just published my first book called Finding the Next Steve Jobs, which is really about creativity. Very cool. Well, we'll get to that. My name is Zach Gilbert, and I'm your host. I'm a, <laughs> after all that, Nolan. I'm a sixth grade social studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. <laughs> that so works. It works, and you know what? I, I thoroughly enjoy it, and by golly, I have a lot of fun with it, and my kids have fun too. So this little side note here, Ed Reach is on Stitcher Radio. Stitcher is the hottest radio platform on the Internet, and they're taking education forward by giving Ed Reach and education innovators everywhere a great place to publish content. Listen to Ed Reach shows on Stitcher.com. Go to edreach.us slash Stitcher to listen online or download the app for iOS and Android. We thank Stitcher for their support of the EdReach network. So, kind of interesting, Stitcher allows a lot of people to publish online and, and uh, for radio, and it's one of those things that I think you've kind of come across a new platform for publishing a book. So you have this new book called Finding the Next Steve Jobs, but... Uh, I don't think it would be published if you had to go traditional routes, would you say? I don't know. You know, it's it's one of those things. It definitely wouldn't be published yet. Yes. The the wonderful thing about NetMinds is not only does it treat every book as a startup, it, tr it really accelerates the process from concept, from concept, to publication date, nine months. In a typical publishing environment, it's two and a half to three years. And so, all by itself, the acceleration, I think, is really valuable. So, what, I guess, what got you to the point where you said, okay, I'm going to go this route so I can get this book out faster? What kind of, what was the tipping point? I met Tim Sanders and I liked the idea. Uh, I had looked at various publishing methodologies, and I felt that you gave away your soul. <laughs> you, 
you gave away your control, you gave away your ability to affect outcomes. There's a whole bunch of businesses that sort of expect you to do all the work and because they're, hand, they're holding your briefcase, they make most of the money. And, uh, and I think that uh, a better way is to stay in control, take the slings and arrows of uh, the world. Um, I mean, fundamentally, remember, you always, the entrepreneur always takes all the risk. Yes. Anytime you think you're not taking the risk, that just means that somebody's hoodwinked you. And so with books, the publishers take on all the risk because they mitigate it so that they're not taking any risk. And then they have, you know, it's like a slot machine. The odds are in their favor. So technology has really helped this type of platform. And, and I've seen a lot. I mean, I know Apple has a way for teachers to create their own books. Uh, and I've really been interested in that. Do you see that this, this NetMinds and maybe other companies that might be pushing this envelope, uh, do you see educators? Do you see professors? Do you see a lot more people trying to create their own, their own books, maybe geared towards education? No question about it. And, and remember, we're just at the tipping point. I call it the perfect storm in education, where for the first time, you have cheap tablets, terminals, you have robust networks, you have a big sucking sound in which <laughs> the public is requiring change, something different. They feel like the system now is somewhat dysfunctional, at least it's not as efficient as it should be. And so we now have people that are willing to not just, and school districts who are not just willing to put the capital in place, but we're having good software so that we can actually teach. If we tried to have 30 kids all on a computer, even as little as 10 years ago, you'd have to have a systems administrator on hand for that one classroom. Yes. The math didn't work. Yes. It's, um, I'm seeing two sides, and it's, I think it's very difficult in this time. You have one side, which you have a business side, where you have big business really saying, we want to create students made for the work environment once they graduate. Then we have another side where we want to have that individuality, we want to have that creativeness and be able to switch on a moment's notice, which I think you kind of go into with your, your book. Do you see those conflicting? Do you see them working together? Because it seems like we have kind of chaos a little bit on one end, but it allows you to adapt. And then you have another that they want you to fit within those confines, those common core standards. And this is what we want to create is, is almost like worker bees that fit into a model for businesses today. Well, you know, the world is a continuum. And, you know, there will be needs to have the cookie cutter employee. Yes. yes. But the big explosion right now is entrepreneurship, really worldwide. And that's where you've got to be thinking outside the box, doing a different thing. I mean, the number of new jobs that will be created because of entrepreneurship will swamp the number of jobs that are created by a big business. Yes. It, 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 it has actually always been that way, but it'll just be accelerated now. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. So how does this, so your book, um, you know, Finding the Next Steve Jobs, how does it, how do you talk about that within your book? How do you have 
you kind of almost, I don't know if you flip it on its head, but you creating an organization, a model to where you can have that creativity outside the box thinking. Sir Ken Robinson talk, calls it, you know, even divergent thinking, uh, looking at the same thing in a different way. How can, what do businesses need to do? What do schools need to do in order to help that along? The Probably the first thing is to embrace risk. When you try to bring risk out of an equation entirely, you stifle innovation. Um, if you don't fall down when you're learning how to ski, you don't learn how to ski fast. Mm -hmm. And almost everything tracks that metaphor. You have to be able to move quickly, say yes to projects, uh, mitigate the downside, but at the same time try things. I mean, I was just been up to the Google uh, Developers Conference. What a fantastically diverse and interesting company that is! <laughs> and and you know, and then I look at Apple. They're sitting on wads of cash, you know, picking their nose, uh, you know. And I I feel like uh, Google is going to pass Apple like it's standing still. They just Apple just doesn't know it yet. Is, is you think Microsoft's in the same boat as Apple? As in they're just sitting around and <laughs> picking their nose, not being as innovative? I don't know. App, you know, Microsoft every once in a while kind of goes in a really left way. Uh, you know, the Xbox kind of came out of left field. Yes. Uh, you know, and... Uh, and actually, right now, uh, some of the things that Apple is doing, or I mean, Microsoft is doing, uh, that I've seen, they're they're trying to innovate. They yeah. at least have something that is really pretty interesting. They've got several projects that uh, I think could you yield some good stuff. Yeah, I think there's some excitement about the next Xbox that would be coming out and. It's, yeah, I agree. Xbox has been very successful, very successful. So how do schools, how do schools get involved in something like this? Because we are very teacher, we're very, I should say, testing oriented. We're fitting within these certain models. Kids that really don't fit that creativity. Um, you know, I have several suits. I have one in particular that's very creative but he does not fit the model of what a typical school is and working with him and trying to get him to kind of squeeze through has been very difficult when we should just kind of let him go because his creativity is going it's going to it's going to be massive in the future i can just feel it you know that uh, uh it's you're there. you're so right and and what we're doing with brain rush is we we have some ways that really accelerate the whole idea of how fast to learn the STEM subjects, and with our, and, and we're supplemental. So if you use our software, you can get the kids through through the supplemental um, through the core curriculum about ten times faster, and that will leave time for more project based, where your creative will shine and sparkle. So you you have a tool to jump through the hoops that are <laughs> some of these crazy hoops that we have to jump through in the first place. So get yeah. get out that get out that get that out of the way and then get them done. Get, get over them it. done. 
and then use that other time to build on that creativity that my students have. That's my dream. Okay, so it, that's that's interesting because you know, I, I, part of me is like, do we want? How do I say it? Do you want them having just to memorize information? But what you're saying is that you know what? This is the game we're playing right now. We're going to have to do this to fit within the models that we have. Get it done quicker. Then we can go off and do other things that will will be beneficial to our to our education system today and our country today. But you know, learning processes, learning systems, learning data. It turns out that that is really the food stuff or the the raw materials for creative thought as well. So the foundation. Yeah, if the if the kids have that strong foundation, they'll be more effective as creatives. Yeah. So going to kind of going in a different where do you see in a different direction here? Where do you see the future of education? And you know, this is Ed Gamer, so it's it's games and learning. And of course you've dabbled a little bit into that. I guess in the past, <laughs> just a little bit. I've had, uh, I can't even tell you how many hours, days, weeks of fun on Atari and, and a lot of the things that you've helped create. But how do you, do you see the future of education? Do you see games being a, a major player in this and how games are created and, and the philosophies and of how games are built? You know, I like to start with a precise definition. I believe that gaming technology is massively effective at, at engaging and accelerating learning. Right. Many of the things that we do kind of don't look that much like games, but they really accelerate learning. And so I think it will be a mix-up between things that are kind of fun and fluffy and, that, and things that are really powerful brain engines, if you would. And my objective is to make learning as addictive as video games are. Yeah. So I'm guessing Brain Rush is, is part of that. Absolutely. And so can you give us an example of what, that, what Brain Rush does? Well, Brain Rush is based on four elements of learning. One is extreme time pressure. Extreme time pressure hyper-focuses the student. The second is adaptive. Not all kids should have the same time pressure, and it should adapt based on how well the student is responding. Some students take a little more cognitive time to come up with a decision. That way we relax just a little bit the time pressure. Mm -hmm. There's an interesting TED Talk that's about flow, which is the ultimate yes. happiness. Yes. And that's what we try to do. We want to get our students into the state of flow. And that's what we try to do in video games. Right. So that's two. Three, our brains are actually designed to not remember. And it, it's only through spaced repetition that we start to remember things. And four is active. It turns out that if you see a lecture, if you watch a movie, if you read a book, it's passive. And in an fMRI, the brain doesn't light up at all. But the minute you ask the student to make a decision, right or wrong, yes or no, correct or not correct, I understand this, I don't understand it, click on it, 
That's the way video games work. No kids read the instructions on a video game. No. They just come in and start poking around. And yet, very quickly, they learn what's working and what isn't. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I definitely see that one of the games that we use, that I use a lot in the classroom, and it's really growing, is Minecraft. And oh, yeah. Being Wonderful able to, game. and it's what's great is that kids, if they don't know it, they'll go out and look for it. They'll, they'll find videos. They'll talk to others. They'll collaborate. They'll put it together, and they'll come up with something that's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I know your time is precious, and I know you have a dinner date tonight. So I want to make sure that uh, I just – one last question I have to ask. All the games that you've ever played, what is your favorite? Go. The, uh, the Asian board game of white and black stones. Very cool. And, and what's amazing is that uh, something that seems simple, not so simple, and from a game developer having a board game, and that's wonderful too. Well, don't forget that Go is one of the few games that uses both sides. There's the artistic yes. element of the game as well as the deeply logical. Yes. And I think that that makes it in a real interesting class by itself. That's wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Nolan. Appreciate your time. Good luck with your book, and I hope we meet somewhere down the road. Let's do it, and, and let's do another hangout one of these days. I, I, that sounds wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Thank, thank you. you for listening to this week's Ed Gamer podcast. Please follow us on edreach.us and also follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach Network. Have a great week.